Hi, I am Jen Matthews, and I'm an adoptee. You're listening to Conversations About Adoption, a podcast where I interview and converse with other adoptees and first parents about their stories and other issues around adoption. My goal is to spread the perspectives of other adoptees and first parents so we can challenge the common narratives and misconceptions of adoption and hopefully shed light on the social justice issues pertaining to adoption, as well as the issues adoptees and first parents face on a regular basis. This episode is a conversation with Renee Gellin, who lost her son through a perfect storm of financial struggles and adoption coercion. This experience inspired her to want to prevent other mothers from losing their babies to adoption. She is the co-founder of Saving Our Sisters Adoption. If you are unfamiliar with them, they are a family preservation organization. They and their many volunteers around the country work to support mothers in crisis so they do not feel the need to relinquish their baby for adoption. This episode was originally recorded in January of 2019 for my YouTube channel. There was a need for video editing, and I feel inept at editing videos, so it was put on the back burner and kind of forgotten about. Now that I'm releasing episodes as podcast audio again, I reached out to Renee and asked her if she would be okay with me releasing it as it is, or would she want to re-record, and she said run with it, so I am. I'm very excited to finally present this episode to the public. Please bear in mind, the information in this episode is dated because the conversation is four years old. Also, please check the show notes for links, and thank you for joining me in this journey. And now I present a conversation about adoption with Renee. Just a quick note for clarification. I do call her Lynn because she was going by Lynn at the time, which is her middle name. Hi, Lynn. I'm excited to talk to you. I know. We've been trying to get together for a long time, right? (laughs) Oh, I know. I'm so glad that you were able to and that this worked out. Yep. I just, uh, I was dealing with a few moms tonight and coached one of the board members through some contact. And and that's why I didn't see your post because I came home from work and like just hopped on here and I was like, oh, I need to look in there. So, well, that's okay. I, hey, I'm just glad it worked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So how have you been? Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. You know, we're doing the summit now, so I'm excited about that and ready to talk about that. Yes. It's going to be good. Yes. Okay. Well, let's see what we start about. Oh, I really want to hear your story. Like how you, what is your driving force that got you to start SOS adoption? Yes. So, um, in, 2009 I moved to Florida and um, was single parenting my daughter she was then seven and uh, happened to go out with a girlfriend and met my then boyfriend guy who became my boyfriend right and um, we were really early on in our relationship and we got pregnant right away Mm. like right away (laughs) Um, and you know, being at that time, I was 43. So um, that's not supposed to happen at 43, right away. <laughs> no, not really. Right. So it was a little shocking, but but everything was fine. We had had the conversation. He didn't have any other kids and I wanted another kid. And, and so we had had that conversation. But 
during the course of my um, pregnancy, crazy stuff happened. I call it the perfect storm. And um, uh, everything was fine up until about maybe four months, five months. Mm -hmm. And um, I started to get really sick. Uh, I had hyperemesis. Mm. And um, I also had, I ended up with gestational diabetes. But the, the thing that got me, you know, first off was the hyperemesis. And I, I needed some medication. But during the meantime, my um, insurance company, so I had a private insurance policy with a high deductible. Mm -hmm. And I was doing contract work. And um, they started denying my prenatal claims. And I was like, what? is going on so my doctor didn't know what was going on so I called them and they said well you have a private insurance policy so um you would have to have a, a pregnancy writer and I said okay so you already know I'm pregnant <laughs> wow so now you know can I get a pregnancy writer and they, I said it's a pre-existing condition now right and they were like yeah so um I wasn't going to have insurance basically oh, gosh yeah, so, and then, um, which was fine initially, right? But then I started to get really sick, and I ended up needing, like, Zofran. I give, I give you Zofran or um, the generic of that. So I think it was Onestrogen or something like that. And that's, like, that, like but for severe morning sickness? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's actually, Zofran is something that they actually give cancer patients to stop the nausea. Wow, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it's, it can be that bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't hospitalized or anything, but I literally could not get off the sofa. I mean, I was so sick. I could not work. And so if I couldn't work, then I wasn't going to get paid because I was contracting. So yeah, I had to yeah, be there. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I go to the drive-thru to pick up. She initially, my OB initially called in Zofran and I went to the drive-thru to pick it up. And, and they said, well, you don't have insurance. And I said, yeah, I know they're not covering anything. And She's the lady said, Well, that'll be six hundred dollars. I lost it. I was like, I can't afford six hundred dollars just for the medication. Oh my you know? god. That's like rent. So yeah. You know, or a mortgage payment <laughs> or so, something. That's insane. Right. Yeah. So I I ended up, you know, going back to my place back home and I called my then boyfriend and said oh my God, I can't do this. How am I going to do this? And um, we eventually got it all worked out. The The doctor called in the generic, which was then not anywhere near as expensive. Mm -hmm. I said, why didn't you do that in the first place? <laughs> right. But, but that kind of set the ball rolling, yeah. you know, yeah. for the panic to kind of set in. And um, I should back up too. But prior to this, prior to moving to, to Florida, I had a business that had gone under like so many did in 2008, 2009. Yeah. And I had, you know, well over six figures in debt. Oh. So, yeah. So I was, you know, maintaining, what? basically paying that debt and um, all of that. But then along, you know, come this pregnancy and then find out I don't have insurance and that I need a C-section because I just don't dilate. And here I am looking at adding another $20,000 on top of that. So, I mean, all of these things just were kind of mounting and mounting. And then I was single parenting. My daughter, like I said, at the time was seven and she, she was going through some tough times. She, um, had a, she has ADHD and I, I swear she had ODD because everything that, you know, I said she wanted to fight about. So 
I understand that. My son's a little that way too. (laughs) I think it's just some of that behavior kind of goes hand in hand, but with the oppositional, you know what I mean? It's just, they're, they're smart. um, Yeah. And they don't, they don't, you know, they don't want to slow down and they know. Yeah. Mine has a very high IQ. And so he thinks he can alter reality by telling you something different. And it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Right. And not giving up. They get something in their mind. They're so persistent. And they just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. So, and then I was working at the place that I was working at. I was working about 10 hour days and driving an hour to and from work. So I'm gone 12 hours a day. That's exhausting. I ended up, you know, getting into more details with my young boyfriend. And he explains to me that, you know, he doesn't have a lot of money and his um, credit was really bad. And a family member had gotten a hold of this information. It just, it was bad. Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, so, you know, um, it just, like I said, it was just the perfect storm. And so, you know, I literally did my daughter completely on my own. So I drove myself to the hospital on my own. <laughs> so I knew, you know, kind of what was coming. Mm-hmm. And then the after of that, you know, part of the two is, is, you know, my concern or my situation, what I started to panic about was all the after. Yeah. Right? It wasn't yeah. my pregnancy. I was maintaining, I was going to the doctor. I um, maintained my uh, gestational diabetes with diet mm-hmm. you know I didn't have to go on medication for that and but um it it just I I, I didn't know where my daughter was going to go I mean I had my neighbors watching her after school but could I really take have them take on an infant mm. like and who do you trust with your kid you know I right. literally just moved here yeah you know? so it just and then I just panicked and you know, Google adoption and lo and behold, here I am, you know, um, once you hook up with an adoption agency, you end up with adoption. I mean, that's just what happens. Um, so yeah, he was born, my son was born March of 2011 and, um, they were at the hospital and, uh, took him home three days later and it was, it was hell, you know, um, the old me basically died. Did you feel like, like when you, you said, you know, like you Googled adoption and everything and you found an agency that like, did you get to pick a couple? Like, what was that process like? Yeah. So for me, I Googled, looked up a couple of parent profiles and of course there was a number there. So I called the number and, um, they had somebody on the other line and she took my information and said, well, I'll have somebody call you back. So I got an agency um, here in Tampa that mm-hmm. called me back and um, I went to meet them and um, they sent me a bunch of books right away and none of them really kind of were what I was looking for. So I wanted uh, an interracial couple. Um, I, I can't even remember what else I Wanted. Sure, I it get didn't it. Matter anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but um, you had some idea in your thought. mind, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. So I ended up um, not going through with them, mm-hmm. and I ended up connecting. I think with Gladney, um, just do another Google search somehow, mm-hmm. and um, basically, I refused to pick a couple. So they wanted me to look through the books and. And I said, I'm not, 
because I didn't want to do it. Right. <laughs> right. It was your I heart was, wasn't in it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was just literally, you know, overwhelmed and I felt like I just had no other choice. Like no one could literally sit me down and tell me what I needed to hear. Sure. And um it took me like two years after um to figure out what I needed to hear. But um Anyway, 12 days before he was born, I finally picked this, picked, uh, two couples. I said, okay, fine, give me the books. So I find these, you know, two couples and I have a phone call with the first one and it did go very well. And then the second one, we, you know, hit it off and, um, you know, and kind of went from there. So they literally just had 12 days to kind of prepare, get ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I just, I just really didn't want to do it. You oh. know, up until that point, I had tried to work out a cash price. I was like, okay, let's talk to the anesthesiologist, the doctor and the hospital and see if I can come up with, you know, a cash price. Maybe they'll give me a break. Not that I had the cash, but at least I was maybe trying and hoping that something kind of would happen. But yeah. they gave me a, you know, price tag of $15,000 and said, you know, you have to have that paid for by the time you go into labor. Like by the time you walk in the door, okay, this is, it's like crazy to me. It, it really is because like, I'm thinking what, like, what are they going to do if you come in there and you're in labor and you don't dilate, are they going to just let you die? Or are they going to do an no. emergency C-section and bill you to death? Like what, Well, that's ex you know? Yeah. And that's, I get that a lot, you know, and yeah. I'm telling you, I can't, I, it's really, really hard for me to go back to that. And sure. You know, you say it here now, yeah, and it's like, duh, right? You know, what right. are they going to do? It makes sense, but, but you were scared, and like, I was just—I still didn't have any place for you know childcare. I you know had my neighbors involved, and the money was still there, and I was just—it was just all overwhelming. And you know, as my pregnancy had progressed, mm -hmm. I became more hormonal and more hormonal. Yeah, and every time my boyfriend would try to talk to me, you know. I was, I would, I literally would be in hysterics. Like you could not understand anything that I was saying. And he just, he was like, <laughs> like, who is this crazy lady? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he was freaked out and rightly so, because I was, I literally was nuts. And, um, yeah. so yeah, it just, it was just the perfect storm. And it just, it was, a, it was unnecessary. You know, that's my, that's my biggest thing. It was mm -hmm. just really unnecessary. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm a good mom. Mm -hmm. I you know, have a job. I just needed somebody to sit me down and literally, you know, educate me on right. the facts. Right. Right. Yikes. And that's kind of, as I, afterwards, right, yeah. we had one visit at five months at their home and we stayed, my daughter and I went to their home and stayed for five, five days. And we had a lot of conversations in those five days and I learned a whole lot of things. I learned how much they paid for him. Um, I learned that he would be ten thousand dollars more if he was Caucasian. I, I mean, I was just flabbergasted. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. So it's crazy, isn't it? It just, I don't know. I didn't even. So I didn't know anything about adoption before sure. this. I didn't know anybody who was adopted. I didn't know anyone who had given up a child, and I literally didn't know what I should ask right. I didn't know what I shouldn't I didn't know what my rights were I didn't like I was just like this little sheep that needed 
you know, somebody to be there and, and sit by my side and say, everything's going to be fine, which is exactly what the agency worker did. But, you know, there was obviously consequences with that. Sure. So, it's almost like the yeah. agencies like rely on women being terrified and hormonal and basically ignorant. And I don't mean ignorant in a negative way, but just not knowing uneducated naive like yeah and it's so sad and i uh, you know there are other ones i see like i get i i have a problem like i had a lot of anger in my youth towards my uh, natural mother because i didn't understand like that's the way i put it like little kids don't understand all these ramifications of like having to finish school and being too young and all that kind of stuff and i was just like mad and so, like, I still get triggered where I'll be in a group. I was in this group one day, and I got in there by accident, and this woman was like, my husband and I already have three children, and our family's perfect. I'm pregnant for a fourth time, and we want to give our child to a new family. And I'm just like, ah! And I was like, I was so angry. I was like, oh, yeah, that's great, except that they're going to grow up wondering why they were given away and the others were kept. You know, and I, I get really triggered. I have a really hard time with that. <laughs> yeah. And, but at the same time, which is why SOS is here, right? Because mm-hmm. that was me. Mm-hmm. That was me thinking, oh, I can, I can fix this. It'll be okay. He'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And it's really not the case. No. You know, I mean, none of that is true. No. The anger is one thing. He's a male too, right? Which mm-hmm. is different, right? They are even from what I've seen in the males I've talked to are even more angry <laughs> and literally just don't want to engage. Mm-hmm. Um, they're hurt. You know, they're hurt. Everybody is traumatized by this yeah. whole thing. You know, I learned about sealed birth certificates after the fact. I had no idea of Florida sealed birth certificates. I, I, and then the hospital wouldn't let me put his dad's name on the birth certificate. They really? knew who he was. And I was like, well, why? And she, the hospital, the lady at the hospital just said, well, they usually just don't do that. And I went, but we all know who he is. Like, I I don't understand, but it's all about the court procedure. It just makes things that much more tidy, um, makes things much more quicker. And um, just, it's easier. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. See, my, my mother put my dad's name on my birth certificate, but he was never notified. He had no clue. Well, and this was baby scoop too. Yeah. That was 71. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, which, and I still think, I know, you know, there's a lot of research and everything that says that ended, you know, like maybe around 72, but I still think baby scoop was going on through. Through the 80s. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just was real. You know, Mm -hmm. people were still sending their daughters away when they were, you know, unmarried and pregnant and it was still happening. But, you know, so um, the sealed birth certificates, the, the fees, the cost. Oh, and the other thing they asked me about when we were at the visit was, he said, well, did you get any of the money? And I said, what money yeah. what are you talking about? I didn't get any money. I was working. I worked up until the day, you know, he was born. Um, so I didn't need money. I said, my stuff was all after, yeah. right? What am I going to do after? Right. So I didn't 
need that. Yeah. Um, I was paying cash for my doctor visits, which I was doing twice a week because Diabetes I was and... high risk. Yeah. You know, I was 43. I was, you know, it just, yeah. But, and so, at, you know, then I started to connect more with people online and started to really learn about all of these things. And then, you know, my sister had actually come down and she was with me for this whole thing. And she had to stay with my daughter while I was in the hospital. And, you know, she feels so guilty to this day. She said, I just, I don't even know. I, I just feel so guilty. I didn't know what to tell you. I couldn't get you to listen to me. I couldn't get you to, you know, calm down. And I said, you didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I said, and finally, you know, two years in when somebody, um, had posted online or put some things out there about the trauma, mm -hmm. you know, how my son suffered, you know, and that just, that just defeated the whole thing. Right. It was like, that's not what was supposed to happen, you know? So, and that's what really upset me is, you know, that once I learned all of that, that even though my intentions were good, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter right. because that's not, what happens, you know, the rejection and the abandonment issues and the fight or flight response to, you know, being literally separated from me at such a young age is, is traumatizing and damaging to mm -hmm. them. And that's what kind of kicked me into high gear, but I'll back up to one thing, one part of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, so he was born March of 2011. And like I said, we had our visit five months in. And then at the end of that year, I got my statement from the private insurance policy that I had. Yeah. When I called and find out, found out why they were denying all my claims and I didn't have this coverage or anything, mm. I said, well, then you're not going to pay for my C-section. I have to have a C-section. And they said, no, we're not going to pay for that. You don't have maternity insurance, right? At the end of the year, I get my statement. They paid the bill in full. Wait. Wait. Nineteen thousand. Nineteen thousand one hundred thirty-six dollars and twenty-two cents. Wait. Paid it in full. That doesn't make any sense, though. Right. <laughs> Did they know somehow that he was adopted? And like. I don't know. <sighs> I couldn't get any answers. You know, I got that statement, and I lost it. Yeah. I. It was like. It was just like the ultimate deception. Yeah. Right? Like. It must have been like I, a kick was, in the gut. Like. I was very mad. Yeah. I, really, I can't really, even really imagine. Angry. Yeah. Oh and I called the insurance company and I got this rep on the phone and, you know, she's answering the phone. And I said, you know, you realize my son is gone. Like, I don't have my son because you said you were not going to pay this bill. Yeah. Like, I, and she just, she couldn't say anything. Sure. You know? Yeah. And, um, and then I called, so Gladney had hooked up with this company called Human Art and they worked to get bills paid and things like that. And they worked to get me, um, approved for Medicaid, which I already tried to do and then realized that I was not going to qualify because I made too much money and they didn't get me qualified for Medicaid because they couldn't. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah. So, I mean, that was just like the topper on the cake. And that's when I realized 
I mean, I realized earlier that I had to do something. I just didn't know what. Mm-hmm. And but when that came, I was like, "This, I have to stop this from happening to anybody else because yeah. this is so wrong. If this can happen to me, you know, I'm, I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. I am a good mom. I'm not, you know, living on the streets, homeless. I'm not young. Yeah, like, right. If they can, you know, if they can do this to me, what are they doing to these girls who are? you know, 19 and 20, and they don't have, you know, what I have, like, it's, it's a no brainer for them. Yeah, it's just like they, they just completely exploit them and prey on their vulnerability. You know, like you said, it's, it's like almost predatory. Yeah, I, I think like the ultimate irony, the like the ultimate irony to me is this gigantic sum of money that the agencies collect and meanwhile, like on the other side, you have these young women. And if they had even like, I don't know, 25% of it, they would feel secure enough to be okay, like, and not be panicked, you know? And it's, it's, it's just like, if uh, I, I don't know if you saw it yet. Family Preservation did this post today about these Christian homes. We're like, oh, do you want to come live in this free apartment if you're considering adoption? And it's like, whoa, wait. Like, if that's not our outward, like, blatant coercion, I, I don't know what is. It, it is. And, but they don't see it as that. No, they, they think they're they, doing some mission. The and... in, yeah, the industry is so well connected. Um, it's, it's really bad. You know, it's, it's, it's really predatory. And then you have to put, you know, you put that in place. Then you put the, um, put the pre-birth expenses out there as well. Right. So Mm -hmm. they're going to pay you now. Right. Um, we have a mom right now we're working with. She, since eight, she was eight weeks pregnant. She received $75 a week from them. That's it. From the agency. Yeah. But at at eight weeks. So over time, that does add up. Yeah, um, I guess so. Then they, you know, also took her shopping for clothes and they bought her some groceries and, you know, this, that, and, and it all adds up, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what eventually happens in the end, what we've seen happen over time is usually if she decides to revoke, if she's lucky enough to be in a state where there is a revocation period, Florida has none. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as soon as my pen left the paper, that was that. I was done. You know, it was not happening. So, you know, here seven months later, I get the statement from the insurance company. I, I started calling attorneys because I'm like, this is just, this can't be right. You yeah. know, how can they do this? Yeah. And I didn't, one called me back and she said, you have, here's what she said, you have a snowball's chance in Florida. That's what she told me. And, you know, people who are giving up their kids today are doing it because of financial issues. Yeah. So... You know, how can that not be coercion? I mean, and the system is literally set up for that. That's how it is designed. And so the pre-birth expenses, the, you know, places to live and all of that. And it's just, you know, they flip it on these moms then. So mom decides, say, you know, oh, I want to, I think I want a parent. You know, then it comes back to, well, let's talk about why you're doing this. Let's remember this. And, you know, and if. Uh, she does go forward with signing consent and has the revocation period, like I was saying, and decides to revoke, they do bring up that she needs to pay that money back. And it's not, there are state laws 
I have not seen a state yet that says that they have to pay back expenses. Oh. But they do it. They make them think that they have to. They make them think that they have to. That's exactly it. And again, it's more preying on their naivete, their their vulnerability. It's their, you know, being uneducated about what their rights are and all of that. So, you know, I've kind of learned the process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now I'm just flipping it on them. Yeah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Kind of using it against them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I work as a caregiver and I was taking care of this girl that was a difficult situation. It was hard to find people to work with her. And whenever you did, you had to train them. It was like full couple days of training. And, um, one of the reasons why I'm becoming a therapist, other than there needs to be more adoption competent therapists is that for some reason, I've always wanted these people that people will just tell me everything. And so I was training this one girl. She was like 19 years old. And lo and behold, she had given up a baby a year before. Wow. And I was just like, uh, you know, and it was like, and she showed me on her phone. It was an open adoption and the parents are in Ohio and she got to choose and her baby was biracial and she shows a biracial family and they were doing good so far with like sending her pictures and updates and stuff. But that's the thing I wonder about. Like, that's the other thing that really bothers me is these girls think that they're going to get open adoptions and that they'll always be able to have contact, but then they're not enforceable by any laws. Right. Yeah. So the other thing that they do and they, you know, that they kind of plan on is that, like I said, that whole naivete, that whole uneducated part of that, there's varying levels of openness, right? So, you know, did she really have an open adoption or did she just get updates? Yeah, right. Open adoption is you have a relationship with your child. Sure. Your child knows you, right? And they don't explain that. They don't explain that. So, you know, that's the part that you know you think you're getting something, mm-hmm. right? They make it. They make it feel like they make you feel like you get to choose and you have all this control. When in all reality, as soon as your pen is off that paper and your baby is gone out of your arms, you have no control. It is you. You are walking on eggshells hoping that you don't say something or do something that upsets anyone that, you know, cuts you off from your child. So, yeah. you know, um, that <coughs> happens to me. Oh my gosh, my dog's <laughs> freaking out. Kitchy! <laughs> he hears nothing and just goes off like, I don't know. Yeah, he's watching your house. <laughs> that's, I, that's his job. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, um... But you said that you, you got to spend some time with the adoptive family of your son and your son when he was how old? Five, five months. Five months. So so I'm going to assume you had an open adoption? It was open, yeah. It was supposed to be semi-open, so just the whole updates piece, right? Yeah, yeah. This whole update thing, and then it was so there was nothing after five years. Really? They just disappeared? So, well, that was what it, that's what it was supposed to be, oh. right? So, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, you look back now, hindsight is 2020, of course. And I go, how is that supposed to work? Like all of a sudden, like, it's just, there's no obligation for anything. You know, it's like, it's all treated like this, this contract thing, but this is really people's lives and kids and you're, you know, how, how do you explain that? So anyway, um, we had that visit, we had a visit in between there that was canceled um, they had planned for months with my oldest, my kept daughter, mm-hmm. and um, 
it just, it was devastating. It was, they were supposed to be here before Christmas. I'd gone out and gone shopping. All the, you know, the house was completely decorated, bought all new bedding, stuff for them to sleep. Yeah. Christmas presents wrapped under the tree the whole bit. And I get a text four days before they were supposed to be here that they're not coming. Not a phone call, but a text. Wow. And that was, you know, that was really hard. <laughs> I can't um, even because, imagine. Yeah. Because, you know, the thing is, is, you know, I, I look back at it now and it's like, my daughter has just been completely traumatized by this. You know, first she goes through watching her brother be given away to these people who say, he will know you. Don't worry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And then there's, you know, the missed Skype calls or which, which, you know, you think of it as your family member, right? And you think, oh, no problem. I'll talk to them later or, sure. you know, what have you, right? Sure. You catch them another time. But this was different. This is not, you know, there was no certainty of when the next Skype was going to come. Right. right? So who had to be that messenger? That was me. Right. So, you know, at first she went through watching the whole process of him leaving. Then she went through that whole process of, you know, the missed conversations and the missed Skype calls and all of that. Then the canceled visit. It just, you know, I mean, you can only take so much. Yeah. And, And that our relationship you know, my oldest relationship is, it just went down the drain. Oh. I mean, it was, she lost all of her trust in me. And then she, she turned eight the day before her brother was born. She picked his birthday. Um, and, you know, she was just devastated by the whole thing. Yeah, I'm sure. And it, it was really, really hard. So, you know, when that happened, I was really upset. And I, I let them know and I said, you know, I would never do this. You know, I would, you know, do anything under the sun because when you break an eight year old's trust, like, that's it. You yeah. Know, you don't, you don't get to, you know, it's a lot of work to get that back. Mm-hmm. And kids know that kids know who they can and can't trust, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and it, so the relationship was just restrained from then on, you know? Um, and then the visit didn't, the next visit didn't come that, that visit that they were supposed to make didn't come until 16 months in. And um, they were at our house then mm-hmm. for five days mm-hmm. and it went okay, but it was, you know, by that time I had learned so many things and it was really awkward. Yeah, I bet. Really awkward because he didn't know us. Right. You know, and I didn't know how to act. Right. Yeah. I don't want to step on her toes. Right. I, you know, it, it's just, it's this awkward, awkward relationship. It's awkward mm. all around. It's like uh, adoption yeah. creates a whole bunch of awkwardness because <laughs> I'm, I think I'm going to have to let him out. Can you hold on a second? I can. <laughs> yeah. Getting back to adoption, like it creates awkwardness, like all around. You're talking about like these natural mothers that they're like tiptoeing around the adoptive parents in an open adoption. Exactly. Like, I just confirmed my dad's through DNA in March, and like he's my dad. And I met him a long time ago when I found out about my maternal family. But he was convinced that it wasn't him. <laughs> really? Wow. No, okay. Yeah, he was convinced it wasn't him. And he said, I'm not saying I don't want you to be my daughter. I wouldn't be pleased to be your dad. But I 
I was with your mom, but it wasn't until after 1970. So now I've proved, I've proved him wrong. (laughs) So, but it's like real, like I went to his house with Derek and it's so awkward, you know, like Derek was oblivious. He was just having a good old time, but I'm just like, okay, this is my dad, but like, we don't know each other, you know, and I have a sister that's 17 years younger than me. And I've already gone through secondary rejection with my maternal family because my grandmother just, you know, it was her decision that my mother give me up. And after, you know, reunion, that's how I found that all out. She told me and it's like, okay, so I don't need to be angry at my mother anymore. It's you, (laughs) but I mean, I wasn't angry because I understood it was circumstance. Okay. You know, I was trying to let go of all that just to be part of the family, but still every time I was there, it was very awkward, you know, like we were getting closer, but there's just, it's like adoption breeds, like all this inner turmoil and awkwardness. Yeah. And complexity, right? It's you're, you're traumatized. Yeah. You, it doesn't matter and that's the other part that I learned, right? Is mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter what my intentions are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, you know, it doesn't matter. Because mm-hmm. he's going to feel however he wants to feel. Right. And I just, I'm I'm really sorry about the whole, the rejection. I, I just, I don't understand that. But well, again, it was part of that, the time. Right? My mother was deceased. She had died when she was only 27. So, like, I never had a chance to meet her. And so, when my intermediary contacted my maternal family, they were still living in the same house. And my grandmother answered the phone, and the intermediary said, you know, your granddaughter's trying to locate you. Do you want contact? And she's like, hold on, I have to ask my husband. And he was like, yeah. And um, so, you know, it's there's a lot of all we can do is speculate that I think he was a, he would have been okay with me being kept by my grandmother was extremely worried about what neighbors would think and that whole appearances thing. Yeah. And she didn't even tell my uncle, he was 13 years old when I was born and he did not know about me till the day before he met me. Wow. So there's all that like, and I was basically proof right in her face that she had lied for 30 years. And I don't think she liked that. She, and the day after we buried my grandfather, she called me and was like, you focus too much on being adopted and you ask too many questions and I need you to stay away for a while. And a while became forever because apparently she had dementia and she ended up going downhill pretty fast and, Wow. We never reconnected. She passed away in December of 2016. But, you know, it was just, it was hard because I tried so hard to, like, not step on people's toes, not right. make a nuisance of myself. I was trying to find a balance. And even though I was trying to find that balance, it just wasn't good enough for her. She just was uncomfortable. Right. I mean, she literally told me one time when my brother was introducing me to somebody, she says, every time he says that, she goes, I feel like there's a red neon sign over my head that says bad mother. And I'm like, because your daughter got pregnant at 16, that doesn't make you a bad mother. (laughs) But it's that generational thing and that societal stigma and all of that that we have to deal with from my era of adoption. Yeah. 
Yep, so, exactly. so um, when did you start or get the idea for SOS Adoption? And I love the name, yeah. Save Our Sisters. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah. So we, so, you know, like I said, like early on, I knew that I had to do something, mm-hmm. right? I had to somehow stop this from happening or I had to, I didn't even come to the stop this from happening part, but I had to do something to help. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. And I thought at that time, those search angels were all over, right. All over kind of adoption land. This mm-hmm. was 2011. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, come on scene that summer basically. And, and started reaching out and connecting with people and talking with people. And, and so I connected up with a bunch of search angels and I connected up with um, one and she said, I will teach you how to search if you want, mm-hmm. but you have to promise me that you won't charge anybody. And I said, Oh my gosh, I would, you know, yeah. like that makes complete sense. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> everybody's paid enough. Right? Right, I, right. I don't want any part of this money. Right. It's like, it's like blood money, you know? It's, yeah. It's right. Bad. So but I spent a Saturday on the on the phone with her and, you know, we were flying around in different databases and here's that, here's this and look here and, okay, you see this here. And, and I, for six hours, and I, I, I was like, I hung up the phone and I thought, this, this isn't, this isn't what, this isn't my passion. Didn't right? Feel right. This isn't it. This, this isn't my niche. It's like, I need to get ahead of it. I need to get you know, I need to stop it from happening. Prevent. So once I kind of realized that, yeah, I need to start preventing what happened to me. So Mm -hmm. how can I do that? Mm -hmm. Well, I need to start talking. Mm -hmm. So as I start talking, you know, and then as I start learning and going through all of these things, um, I'm angry. I, you know, the first two years after I came out, I was really angry. You know, the, our second visit was, like I said, at 16 months and then, uh, at 19 months, I got a call from the agency and they said um, they're closing the adoption because of your negative comments. Wow. Yeah. So that was like losing them all over again. And that then, was like your you secondary know, rejection in a way. Right. Well, it was like that loss. Yeah. It was kind of like that traumatization all again, you oh know? Oh, my God. And there was nothing I could do about it. You know, and then two days later, my husband actually was, he's now my husband, by the way, <laughs> but then he was still my boyfriend. Yeah. Um, he had gone out of state to visit his family. And um, so he was out of town, but um, we were newly pregnant again. And I miscarried two days later. Uh. So adoption, I'd say, didn't get one for me, but it got two. Uh. So I'm, you know super angry they didn't know I was pregnant you know um so but but yeah it was just it was bad it was really traumatizing and and bad and um you know so I I realized that I had to do something so I start reaching out connecting with people I connected with a couple of other bloggers and one woman uh, living in Kansas Lisa she's actually on the SOS board but we had started talking and we're like we have to stop this Mm -hmm. like we need to find these moms and we need to talk to them and we need to tell them, you know, you don't want to do this. This is really what it's like. This is really what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she had a very similar situation. Her situation um, was a little, little bit different, but she was um, a few years younger than me. Um, But it was, she was the same situation as far as uh, relationship wise, very Mm -hmm. new relationship, got pregnant right away. And, 
um, basically thought that, you know, she was newly divorced and having another kid to add it to the mix was just, she was overwhelmed. Yeah. So, um, ended up going through that and, and, um, they, the prospective adoptive parents, like I call it fast tracking, right. Where they befriend you, they kind of court you through the whole pregnancy. They're with you, you know, taking you out to dinners and going to doctor visits and everybody's best friends. And we're going to have this big one happy family. But in all reality, what happened to her is that they took her baby from the hospital and she never, she sees her child once a year now. Like once a year. I mean, it's just mind boggling that that people can, I don't understand it. It's heartless. I I just don't understand it. I I can't wrap my head around doing that. I think, you know, going through something like this, the stuff that we have gone through, you know, we become more empathetic Mm -hmm. um, and considerate. And we really take a step back and kind of think about how, how, you know, put on those other pair of shoes, so to speak. Right. But um, so that's when that all started about. I mean, it was literally just me online um, talking to moms and reaching out in these different groups. It was a big group called Cafe Mom. And um, I just started to have success. You know, they would send me a picture of them and their baby. Hey, you know what you said made a difference. You know, I, I got it. I started talking about the trauma. I started talking about all these things. You know, you don't know what you don't know. You're not going to be able to enforce this open agreement. It's just an agreement. Yeah, it's just, right. It's not, it's not a contract, you know. So courts don't recognize it in many states. There are some states that have it on the books, right, that you can enforce it. But in all reality, if you're giving up your child and you have financial issues in order to fight to keep your your child's adoption open you're going to need a an attorney with which is a few thousand dollars if not more retainer mm-hmm. you're going to need the longevity to go through the system yeah. and then you have to consider too that your relationship is never going to be the same right with the people who have your child because they're going to be mad yeah if you are forcing them to spend more money on an attorney to go to court to you know it's it's just never going to be good. Like, how is that ever going to turn out okay? Right, right, right. right. Every, it's even more complex now because everybody's really upset with each other, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So he's just telling people, like, really how it is and, and really what what it's like. And um, so I had connected eventually with Patty, um, Patty Collins from Cobb. She was the president at the time, and... She was working on me to come to a support group, you know. She's about an hour away from me, and I still haven't been to a support group, by the way, <laughs> other than to the cover retreat um, and one SOS summit. <laughs> but um, SOS is kind of my therapy, you know. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it's you know, she came up with a name actually. She was like, she wanted me to come do a presentation and talk about it because by the time 2014 rolled around. Mm-hmm. I kind of come out of my shell a little more, uh, willing to talk about my story and tell my story, um, not so much anonymously, which sure. is how I started out, right? Um, but I, um, she said, come and do a presentation at the cover treat and talk about what you're doing. You know, I had some great success, you know, up until that point. And she said, how about, you know, we name it like Saving Our Sisters. And so I was like, oh, that's a great, you know, that's great. Yeah. And so, so there was really still no like group it yeah. was just a bunch of us online that had connected and said you know yeah you know if we 
find a mom. We really need to do this. We need to come together and figure out how to help her, you know? Um, so that's what we would do. And then, you know, I realized that you're meeting people online. You kind of have to vet them. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure they are who they are and that, you know, you're not scamming. Because yes, they're the out way there. Ado- yeah. The way adoption is set up, though, it's it's perfect for that, mm-hmm. right? Pre-birth expenses, no strings attached. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're savvy enough, you know, there are women who do it. Yeah. Scam. Yeah. And that can be flipped you know, over to like someone like us, a nonprofit who just is, we're bleeding hearts, right? We right. want to help people. We don't want you to do that. We have, we have some kind of vulnerability in some of these situations. So that's where I realized I had to be really careful, you know, and I had to be completely transparent with where this money is going. So I sure. literally would like have people PayPal money to me when I found a mom and found somebody to go meet, you know, the mom and, we either buy the items and, and send them out there or, you know, uh, order them online and use the money for that. And I'd upload the receipts and here's where everything went. And it just kind of took off, you know, everybody just really, it, it just, it just worked. I just this grassroots thing that just took off. It's pretty cool. You know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. I, you know, I'm not a first mom, so I don't have, like, I have a passion for preventing, but it's not the same as, like, on your end, because I haven't experienced that loss. Yeah. But I, I I tend to brainstorm a lot, <laughs> and I, like, I get lots of ideas. And I can remember several years ago, I had all this stuff. Like, Derek was growing and, like, growing out of stuff. I'm like, I got all this stuff. What am I going to do with it? You know, high chair, bouncy seats, and you know, the extra saucer and the crib and like, and I was like, Jeff, I'm like, you know what we should do? And I'm like, we should like get collection centers and get this stuff together. And when there's a mom in need, be like here, you know, but like, I didn't have the wherewithal or energy to like pursue it and do anything with it. But it was like around the same time. And then like, when I first heard about you, I'm like, guess what? There's someone doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just like, all just happened you know I I didn't I didn't really have to I mean I I did put time into it obviously and now I'm putting more time into it but it's like it just it helped me yeah I can imagine it kind of healed my heart a little bit you know knowing that you know this is all for my son like I want him to come back and realize you know I get it I can't fix this yeah I can't there's nothing I can do to fix it. It's, it's over, you know? And, um, so, you know, if he understands maybe that all of this is being done for him, that's all I want. You know, I just want him to know that my intentions were totally good. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I needed to, you know, be educated about that. And I guess, you know, people say all the time, well, the internet was there, you know, you could just Google and, but I didn't even know what to Google. You know, even <laughs> if you had, though, I don't think anybody was putting the information out there in people's faces like you and 365 and, yeah. you know, and No Saviors. Nobody was doing that right. even back, like, you know, five, six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago. Nobody. I didn't start seeing that until, 
you and that other group, you know, like I really didn't. And almost like appalled, like I was a private adoption. And so there was no large sums being passed back and forth. It was word of mouth. And, um, my parents paid like $374 for legal fees. That's it. So that's one thing I'm glad about is I wasn't through some crooked agency, but the doctor was the one who did it. My, it was my grandmother's OB. She brought my mom to the doctor to determine that she was pregnant. And he was like, well, here's what we're going to do. And I found out he had a reputation for helping girls in trouble in the seventies. And this is what he would do. He would help them. And I don't think he got anything out of it. I think he thought he was helping maybe, but he set up the whole plan. He laid it out. And my grandmother was like, perfect, you know, and my mom was able to go to school the whole time. She had a doctor's excuse, you know, saying that she couldn't participate in gym class and she had a fibroid tumor, me, that was removed over spring break. And that was it. Simple, neat and tidy. And, um, I found out after I found, I did some digging and I found a couple of friends of hers. Um, and they actually knew about me and they were so, they're like, Oh my God, you know, and they were, they were so glad to see that I was like, okay, but they're like, there was only a handful of people that she told, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. well, you had to keep the secret, right? I mean, that was the whole purpose. Right. Right. I know. Yeah. So it's, it's, I, it's, I don't know. It's a mess, but I'm glad that there's you doing this. And I really think it's a great, great cause. And anytime I stumble across somebody who even like puts out the idea that they're pregnant and they're not sure, I'm like, talk to SOS adoption, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like constantly pimping you. I'm like send, sending it, you're sending their way. I'm like, I don't know if they call you or not, or they yeah, email oh you, yeah. but like, I'm like, please, before you make any decisions, get educated because yeah. you don't want to be making this decision when you're later in your pregnancy and you're hormonal and you're scared because being scared is not the time to make decisions that are going to last exactly. a lifetime. Exactly. You don't, any decision that's made based on fear is never going to be no, good. You no. know, it's never going to be good. And, you know, this is what happened to, you know, me and my son is the single regret of my life. Um, I I'm do sure. not live with regrets, but this one, this one is, you know, I, I carry that. I carry that guilt. And that's part of what this whole thing is about is, is, you know, I have to try to make it right. And it's not necessarily for me, but I just need him to know. Sure, you know? sure. And for for me, he's going to be eight. You know, he's coming up on eight. I am 51. <laughs> and, you don't look you know, it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, it, you know, but I don't know how much time I have. I don't, I don't know if I have 40 years. To sure, wait, sure. You know, I mean, the... The whole loyalty thing, you know, that's another thing nobody ever With tells boys. you. Yeah. They, there is, that is there, you know. It just depends on the situation, on, you know, what he is, what the situation he's in. You know, I don't know what that is. My, I don't know if he can talk about it. I don't know if he can answer questions. My my, um, my heart, I was like, oh, because my son yeah. and your son are about the same age. Yeah. My son's going to be eight December 30th. I mean, we were pregnant at the same time and I, I can't yeah. even imagine not knowing where he is. 
Yeah, it's really tough. I, I mean, I know where I know where he is, right? But right. that doesn't mean that I know what's going on. Right, we don't it's, talk to him. That's you not. Know, we we weren't ever able to kind of get a relationship with mm-hmm. him. You know, he was so young. Yeah, and that's the thing I think that you know upset me and really kind of set me off a little bit more is that you know we were cut off because of my negative comments and to think that I was you know I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. I was a mom then, right? I know what to do and what not to do. Sure. Right. I, you know, I pay attention. I want to, you know, make sure my kids are in a good environment sure. and, and all of that. I'm not going to, you know, he was not even two. I'm not going to bring this to him at the age sure. of two. What am I going to say? Right. You know, I mean, that didn't, none of that, it just didn't compute for me. You know what I mean? They can't so, even comprehend that at that age. Right. So I didn't understand, like, you're cutting me off because I'm not happy. Do you really think that this is going to spill over? Like, I, I didn't understand that, you know? Yeah. Well, I but, do. Um, hopefully, I think as time's progressing, there is that thing with that male loyalty, you know? And I remember, like, I found 17 years ago, and I was in a support group, and it was, like, all women. And... That was one of the things we talked about. Like, females seem to look because, you know, we bear children. So, we're like, where did I come from? It's more of that connection. But yeah. I think I think boys are going to come around. And I, I see more and more males. Like, in my group, there's a lot of guys in there. You know, yeah. and it might take them a little longer. But, and I really hope for you that your son will be open and he'll come around sooner than later. And hopefully he won't be holding on to that anger. And I know it's going to be hard, but if he sees everything you've done, I don't know how he could not be like, Whoa, just blown away. By I hope it. so. Do you I have, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I hope so. That's, that's really, that's really what all of this is about. You know, this is not about, me it's really for my kids Mm -hmm. and you know even if he doesn't want to have a relationship with me i want him to have a relationship with his sisters you know we ended up finally having so we lost the one baby um in 2012 and then i could not get pregnant again to save my life and it i really think it was a mental thing i was so messed up from that trauma again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and I could not get pregnant. And finally, I went to the doctor and I said, okay, I'm not getting any younger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Time is ticking here. TikTok. Um, yeah. Something. And so we did. We got in Clomid. And it took it took probably about six months or so. But, um, you know, it still wasn't happening right away. I was like, okay, well, all right, fine. Let's get a house. So we bought a house. And then two weeks later, I'm pregnant. <laughs> like, oh my God. You had all that other stress distracting you. <laughs> right? That's, you know, seriously. But, you know, so she was born April 2nd. So my oldest is March 1st. My son is March 2nd. And then my youngest is April 2nd. Wow. So kind of that whole bam, bam, bam. Yeah. I'm done for the year. <laughs> all the birthdays. Wow. So the summit this year... Um, that's coming up is over his birthday weekend. Oh, and where so is it going to be held? Tell us about the summit and what it's for. Yeah. 
So the summit, we had our first summit in 2016 in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and it was literally just kind of a gathering together, you know, a group of girls that said, hey, let's get together and all that. And I said, well, let's turn it into like a summit. We could do, you know, some presentations and talk about things. And and so that's what it ended up being. We had it at the Hilton out there, and um, it was great. We had 40 people show up, which is really great for a first-time thing. Sure. And, yeah, it was fantastic, and um, and we didn't have one in 2017 because we were we were going through a lot of stuff. We um, of course ended up separating from Cub and um, amicably. Everything was great with them. They're still very close to me, um, and and uh, just got our 501c3, and I had to get that up and running off the ground and all that. So um, now we're going to do that. Now we're ready. To, to have our second one. So yeah. what we really need to focus on now is because we kind of have our ground, you know, our, our basic processes, right, set up. So we've got our intake process set up. We've got, you know, our follow-ups. We've got kind of our vetting process. We have our sisters on the ground. The website's really helping with that. Sure. And so now what we need to do is really need to start teaching people how to have these tough conversations, right? So we want to teach them how do you go and talk to your church, you know? How do you how do you flip them from an adoption friendly, adoption loving church to a family preservation focus, sure. right? So Lisa, um, who I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. she's actually done that with her church. Wow. Her church is a family preservation focused church. That's and great. They have an entire room full of supplies, just like you talked about, right? And she's doing it. You know, That's she great. is constantly working with moms in her area. So, you know, she is doing it on the ground there. And her church refers anybody who comes to them and is questioning about adoption or anything, they just send it right to Lisa. So wow. it's fantastic and it's working. You know, they get it. So um, the other thing we want to talk about is, you know, how do you talk to your medical professionals, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you talk to the doctors and nurses in L&D, right, in labor and delivery when they've got prospective adoptive parents right there in the hospital, like highly coercive, you know, mom is extremely vulnerable Sure. and has, I had no idea, you know, I just thought that's the way it was done. Like nobody, nobody told me any different. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what I could ask for. I didn't know what I could say, Yeah. you know, and now I know that you need to just take your baby home. Yeah. <laughs> like as long as you're not in a cardboard box mm-hmm. and you know you're you have a home and some place to go stay for a while give yourself that chance give you and your baby that chance you know so but you know and and the thing is is they know all of this they went to medical school they understand that maternal bond they yeah. understand the instinct and nature and all of the science behind it but all of that goes out the window when you talk adoption i know we're separating infants but you know this is my this is my thing. You know, we don't separate puppies and kitties because they end up with anxiety issues. Right. Eight weeks they get, they have to, in Pennsylvania, it's a law. You can't take puppies away from their mom until they're eight weeks old. Exactly. But here we are dealing with like the most cognizant of mammals, human beings. Yeah. And we are separating them from their mothers. Sometimes at hours old in the name of adoption. Yeah. It is wrong. You know, people need to understand that and you need to give mom that chance, you know, and, and when somebody's hovering over them, 
the focus isn't on them. Right. The focus isn't on mom and baby. Mm-hmm. The focus is on what's happening, where the baby's going, you know, the lucky family. Sure, the, sure. The blessed family. We know, have right? to. So we have to really shift that. You have to, you know, you have to be able to have those conversations tactfully and not come off sounding angry. Sure. You know, something that I had to learn, you know, but like I said, I went through a lot those first two years, yeah. those first 19 months. And I was not a nice person. You know, I was really angry. Sure. And, um, I had to learn how to deliver that message. And sure. I think that's part of why this has become so successful is that, you know, I'm not chasing these moms down saying, you know, the ones that you're, you know, running into that are triggering you saying, oh, we're just going to get this baby away. It's like, take a step back and realize that, you know, they're not educated and you need to, you need to really connect with them. Mm-hmm. On, you need to find some commonality and then really just build a relationship from there. And that's what we try to do is keep that relationship going even after they, you know, have their baby and go home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But so the medical professionals, the churches, you know, what else you can do just on a day to day, you know, how do you get, how do you, how do you have these conversations? If somebody says that, you know, you have to really approach it depending on the situation, you know, in the right way so that people just don't go, I know I have up. to watch that myself. I'm like, uh Oh, because I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy behind a screen to be like, oh, you know, and like let your emotion come out in words and then not, and then you're like, oops, I kind of came across as bitchy, but yes. yeah. And, and you have to, you know, and a quick story. My husband and I were out to breakfast. This was probably two years ago, maybe even a little bit more. And oh yeah, it was because our, our youngest was little, but we, we were always in this restaurant, right? We had this one little place that we go for breakfast and we were in there and the waitress came up and she was like, Oh, this is great. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be adopting uh, a baby. And I was like, Oh, how, how, you know, how, how did you get to that or whatever? And my husband is sitting there and he goes, Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Just, he just goes, all right. Here we you know, go. It, just, it, it follows us everywhere. It's and everywhere. I know. It is. it is. And it's so hard. And, you know, you have to be ready with that response, right? So that it can be well received. Like, you don't want to be dismissed. You know, that's what happened to me at the beginning. And I had some failures with some of the moms. And it was a terrible feeling. Like, yeah. Oh, I right. didn't help her. You know, she's going to end up in the same boat that I am. And I need to figure out how to fix that. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's crazy how it's, it's in popular culture. It's everywhere. Like on Netflix, mm-hmm. there's this silly animated show called Bojack Horseman. Uh, that's hilarious. I never saw an adoption story coming at all. We're watching it. Yes. And I'm like, and there was at the end of this one season, I'm laying there in a fetal position on the couch crying because. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I was triggered over a cartoon. Yes, but it's everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's in all the kids' cartoons. You know, my oldest, she just refuses to watch TV. Like, really? She, because she's still really angry. She's still, wow. she misses her brother. You know, he's going to be eight. She's 15 now. And she just said to me the other day, she said, this is, it's, you know, I'm good for a while. And then it just comes. Mom, it just comes. And I said, I know. 
she's almost been affected as if she's like a first mom in a way like she's really they really it really was she really got put through it not intentionally of course just circumstantially yeah it's just and that's the other thing you know most of the moms that we are dealing with today are already moms yeah and you know i think back and i go you know on my situation i look back i'm like why didn't I get that? Yeah. Why didn't I get that she was going to be traumatized? Like, I just was so in my own head that I couldn't, I couldn't get out of that. You yeah. know, working and being, you know, gone that many hours, and then I was exhausted. I gained a ton of weight having the gestational diabetes and yeah. gaining, you know, extra weight. I had put on fifty pounds, and I'm, you know, I'm five foot one. <laughs> like, yeah, and I hear you. Yeah. It's not a lot of space for that to go, you know, you're moving that around. But. My weight all went to my son. He was 11 and a half pounds. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> big cheeks. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. Well, he was just, he comes from a long line of big babies anyway. Jeff's mom, yeah. they were all big babies. So he, but yeah, he was, he was big. I put on a lot of yeah. water weight. A lot of water yeah. weight. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, you know. So it's, it's, so the summit is basically about having those conversations, yeah. right? And just making sure that we can address those things properly. We want to get some um, marketing materials out, things that we can leave in doctor's offices and various places, right? Because, I was going to ask you about that. I was going to say, yeah. do you have like on your website, you could have a, like, I don't know if you have it or not. I haven't explored the website any further since it first went up. But you could have like a list of links where people can download PDFs of flyers that they can put up, you know, pregnant, scared, call us, not them, you right. know. <laughs> well, you know what? And that's exactly it, Jen, right? Yeah. It's I, like I said at the beginning, I learned their process mm-hmm. and I'm just going to flip it. You yeah. know, if you look at the website, it was purposely put together that way. Mm-hmm. It looks like an agency. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what it's supposed to be, right? <laughs> I need to get them in. So, you know, um, ideally, you know, we don't have, I mean, these agencies have software that they purchase and attach to their websites to make sure that they come up, you know, on those Google searches. They do that SEO optimization. They, there's a, um, a software company that actually sells it. They had a, the Florida Adoption Council had a, a conference here Um I think it was two years ago or a year and a half ago, and they they were a sponsor. And you know, in this whole conference, I went kind of. I wish I I wish I would have been able to go. It was five hundred dollars per person to go, but it was all of these adoption entities getting together and networking. Their purpose was to help each other find more birth mothers. <sighs> that's what that's what they were doing. Oh, they were they're trying, trying to together. fuel the machine. Right. They were coming together, though, to figure out their marketing, right? Because they had to more, right? There's so many, like, they're, they're, that's the other thing, right? And the reason why um, these, these the, the, the process today is so predatory, because they have to be. Like, they're, you know, the, the numbers of adoptions are, are low mm-hmm. um, compared to what they were. Now, if you compare them to other countries, <laughs> Australia, seven, <laughs> the UK, 234 like Ireland won like you know you look at those and then you come to the U.S. and you go 14,000 it's like times what's the average 35 40,000 dollars 
that's a few billion dollars, you know? I mean, you add it up and that's where we have to really get out there and really get this, get this laid out. You know, this, what we're doing should be the model used in every crisis pregnancy center. Adoption should be the last option on the table when all other guardianship from family to even stranger has gone through, right? You don't do a permanent separation. And of course, then the laws need to change too, right? So eventually, you know, the first thing we need to do is just get this model replicated everywhere, right? Because if we can do it, we're just a group of people that connected online. Yeah. I don't know you. You yeah. don't know me. Yeah. And we're still, you know, helping people pay their rent for a month, which is all they need to keep their kid. Like, it's that ultimate irony again. It's like these people can afford to buy your child and you can't afford to, like, keep them and just be okay for a couple months while you can't work because you're on maternity leave. You know? I mean, and the thing is, you know, the, the items, the donated items, you know, every, you can always find somebody that's that's donating baby items, yeah. that's donating stuff. You know, kids grow out of stuff. So and, fast. Yeah. And, and you just, you know, we need to get that information out there and get that network built of sure. people doing good. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of that whole thing. So um, that's what we want to do is really start, you know, blowing things up with the summit and just giving people marketing material and giving people tools that they can go out and start keeping family preservation, you know, not adoption separation. Yeah. And, you know, that's what needs to happen. So that's what the summit's all about. And of course, then we're going to hang out too. <laughs> well, yeah. do you have a, like a number? How many families have you preserved now? So um, on the website, I have to update it. There were 85 that we had um, posted up there. That was just over the last three years. So I didn't have numbers. I didn't keep any of that from the early years because this wasn't an organized, like I didn't ever intend for this to be this. (laughs) Like it just happened. Took on a life of its own. It did. It did. You know, somebody said, well, SOS kind of has its own hands and feet and it's just like growing. And I'm like, Kind of, you know, there's there's a lot of us behind those hands and feet moving and sure, keeping things going, sure, right? Sure. But it's truly just a network. And um, so at this point, this year has been a really good year. We're well over 100. That's amazing. Um, it's, it is amazing when you consider we're just a group of strangers who are living adoption separation, who get it. Like... Mm-hmm we're living it and we're telling you mm-hmm. you don't want this yeah. you know you need to pay attention and that's the other thing right is you know with the with national adoption awareness month and everything the you know adopting voices need to be the ones that people are listening to you don't you, you know you don't listen to the prospective adoptive parents or the agencies you know and for clarification too you know SOS is dealing with infant adoption Mm -hmm. the so-called voluntary infant adoption sure we're not dealing with cps cases yeah you know we're not we can't take that on we don't cps kind of makes up their own rules and (laughs) yeah you know we're you know that needs a whole nother set of tools and really you know uh case worker so to speak right to really be involved in all of the details yeah yeah so we get a lot of people that come to us with that and it's just, it's unfortunate, but that's not our area of expertise. Sure. Right? You know, I understand. all the mothers, 
yeah, all the mothers that have gone through it, it's, it's, you know, been infant adoption and, um, and then the adoptees that come, you know, that's the other really cool thing about this is that it's all of us. Like there's not one group. It's, it's kind of, we all need to come together. We need, you know, we've flipped prospective adoptive parents. One of the sisters on the ground for the last, um, the last two saves in Texas, the Houston saves, she was a hap. She was a hopeful adoptive parent and she found a blog and then got to SOS and she's like, oh, I need to do this. Wow. And then we had two moms come up in Houston and I reached out to her and, you know, we have our kind of intake for them as well. And we talked to them and I said, well, what's your connection? And she said, once well, I was actually looking to adopt, she told me her story and I, you know, people are listening. That's they good. are. And they're starting to come around and so we just need to keep this ball rolling yeah you know yeah yeah I definitely got to get the word spread and because I really wanted to talk to you and get your story told and I'm gonna put it all over Twitter and Facebook and everywhere I can and (laughs) hopefully other people will share it and get it out there because it's it's so important and it's great that you're willing to share your story because I know it's painful it is but it's hard you know, and I struggle with that sometimes because, you know, I hear many people talk about and many adoptees talk about, don't tell my story for me, don't do that. So I really try not to talk about that. I mean, I don't have that much information anyway from his perspective, sure, but, sure. you know, I just, I am, you know, telling my story and what happened to me. Sure. Um, it's, it's, you know it's empowering to be able to, to, to say what happened, you know, and it took me a long time to get to that point. You know, yeah, like I said, I Patty did. was, I couldn't even go to a support group. I was like, you know, that whole guilt and shame, you literally as a, you know, as a mom go to Saint, you know, you go from Saint to sinner, like with this flick of a pen and yeah. you know, Oh, you gave a kid up and there's that stigma. And, you know, I'm, I'm just at the point now where, if this is going to keep going, I, you know, I have to, I have to tell it, you know, yeah. and it's, it's not comfortable, <laughs> you know, um, but I literally, I have to do this. This is my therapy. You yeah. Know, I tell my husband, if I don't do this, you're not going to like me. You're <laughs> not going to like me. My kids aren't going to like me. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go back to being that angry, bitter mom angry yeah. bitter birth mom you know that yeah that whole thing and yeah it's it's really real and we can fall into that really easily but being able to kind of flip the script you know so and and do good with mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and channel all of that is it's helping yeah i yeah you've kept 85 families together that's amazing and i know it's not you single-handedly you have it's your not. whole group your sisters on the yeah. ground and you know, let's get more sisters on the ground, you know. Yeah, we have, um, let me see if I can pull it up quick. We have, um, I want to say, the last time I looked on the intakes, there was about 250. Sisters on the ground? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, around the country. So, um, and you can go sign up on the website, you know. Um, so savingoursistersadoption.org 
and um, we just fill out a few uh, pieces of information. I don't know if you took a look at that, but you can sign up too, Jen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to. I'm like worried about my resources because I don't have a lot yeah. to offer myself to personally help. Yeah. But even yep, like I'm... being like a support person, yeah, because like my schedule is just crazy with like school and my son yep. and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I know that there's girls that do it that you like the pharmacist at the pharmacy I was going to and this was I had been there through I, I had this long story but I gotta get the dog hang on one second yeah the I it's a long story but I went through a bad episode where a doctor almost killed me because he gave me a drug I was allergic to and I ended up with kidney failure and liver failure and I was on dialysis for five weeks and all that happened like right before I ended up getting pregnant with my son. So wow. I had dealt with this pharmacy a lot and got to know them all pretty well. And the girl that was there as a pharmacist, she wasn't able to conceive. And um, the one day I think it was like, I, I saw her and she's like, Oh, I'm going to be quitting. I'm not going to, I'm going to be going to another pharmacy. And then I saw this, this, picture of a baby and she's like do you want to see my son and I'm like I didn't see you were pregnant <laughs> like I uh okay and like I started to get a little concerned you know and then she told me the story that some girl gave birth at the hospital and didn't know what to do and somebody knew that she was looking for a baby and it just came together that way and I was just like wow you know and it's like, I wonder how often that happens that a, a young girl goes into the hospital, like they just are pregnant and they're just not going to deal with it till it happens. And then they go and they're just like, who wants it? You know, like, I just wonder about that. Well, so that's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> the safe surrender stuff. So we had a case last year, 2017 in Michigan, where um, mom didn't know she was pregnant. She was 17. She was from Illinois. She went up to Michigan to um, go on vacation with a group of her friends. It was summertime, mm -hmm. right? I think before school started. I can't remember exactly. Anyway, she went up with this group of friends. Uh, one of the parents went with them. On the beach, hanging out, you know, having a good time. At 3 in the morning, she ends up in an ambulance going to the hospital. She had been bleeding for like a week prior to that. Um, and had been bleeding off and on before that. And she thought she was just having some weird period. You know, she's 17, things mm -hmm. are kind of all over the place, whatever. And, um, she didn't look pregnant. You know, she did not look pregnant. She was on the beach in a bikini the day before. That's amazing. She's in the, in the ambulance and they're taking her to this hospital and the, um, uh, the EMT is telling her, well, I, I think you're pregnant. I think you're in labor. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm not pregnant. It's like, I, I'm not pregnant, you know? Yeah, yeah. She gets gets to the hospital, has the baby 20 minutes later in the ER. Um, they scoop the baby weight. Extremely, he's a micropreme. He's like one pound, 14 ounces, I think. Oh, my gosh. Very, very tiny. Um, she was like maybe, I think, 20, 19 weeks, somewhere around there. Wow. Anyway. Scoop the baby away, take him to the NICU, um, put her up in labor and delivery, and social worker is there. Uh, once we got her hospital records, we found out that 
the hospital had called the adoption agency um, 30 minutes after the baby was born. And um, the adoption agency representative was in the hospital 90 minutes later. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And um, so she was up in her room recovering all that. The baby is obviously Michael Creamy in the NICU. Yeah. Uh, they're talking about, she, she's freaking out. Right? Yeah, she sure. She was literally panicking. She didn't know she was pregnant. She has this baby. Um, she's freaking out even more because her, at, back home, her mom was going through a, a pretty bitter divorce, um, had four-year-old twins at home, and she had stage four breast cancer that she was going through. Oh, my god! So she was like, I cannot burden my mom anymore. I, I can't, like, I can't do this. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. like, I, I can't take this baby home. Anyway, um, they get her to sign safe surrender papers. So safe surrender papers, what happens with safe surrender babies, a lot of people don't understand this, their hospital records are completely scrubbed. So all identifying information is taken out of the hospital record. And then, of course, they get adopted. And what happens to their birth certificate? It's sealed. So they literally, and Michigan is a sealed state, mm -hmm. You, they can't find who you know, where they come from. But they did this based on the fact that first they had her going through this adoption agency, right? A very well-known Michigan adoption agency. I'm not going to say that. You guys can all <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> um, and they realize, oh, she's not 18. She can't sign adoption papers. So we're going to do the safe surrender papers. Because huh. she couldn't do legally do the adoption papers. You have to be 18 huh. or an emancipated minor and by a court. Huh. So you can't just not be, you know, living on your own. You literally have to go through court to get emancipated, maybe that status. Yeah. So she goes back home and finally a week later, her mom is like, okay, what is going on? She's had a baby. She obviously is grieving her baby. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And her mom gets it out of her and her mom is like, do you want your baby? She said, yeah, I want my baby. They said, okay, let's go. So they went back up there and it was another month long. Then they eventually got in touch with SOS. Um, and it was another month long battle. The adoption agency, it's so messy, but they got in touch with the safe surrender uh, founder and he connected them with an attorney who connected them with another attorney because he was going out of town. Um, come to find out after the fact, the attorney that he got connected to knew the prospective adoptive parents that were already sitting in the hospital with his microcreamy days after, not even a day after. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing that this was happening. And they, so she went back up there to, I told her all, like after I looked it over everything, I'm like, you have 28 days to revoke your, your, you know, your surrender. Yeah. So just file this paperwork in the courthouse and you have court hearing a week later mm -hmm. and an emergency hearing and you get your baby back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, the guy, the attorney ended up filing that revocation paper. Um, he didn't sign it. He didn't sign the petition or the revocation and it was filed under the adoption case that the adoption agency had filed. 
And if you know anything about adoption um, cases and files, they are sealed. Yeah. You can't get into them, right? You know that. Yeah. You can't get into the file at the courthouse. So, yep. so now this paper is buried somewhere and they can't figure out what's going on. They should be having a hearing. So they go up and they did have a hearing set mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. but it was set up by the adoption agency. They go into court. Um, mom isn't allowed to take her mom. So she's a minor. She's 17. They won't let her in the court in the courtroom. They come out after this hearing. And I said, what happened? I said, did anybody say anything? And she said, well, the agency did. And I said, well, what about your attorney? Did your attorney say that you wanted your baby back? And she said, no. And I said, so does the judge think this is an adoption? <laughs> like, yeah, you want baby like nobody knew you know she didn't know what was going on yeah so they spend the day i have two sisters on the ground there this by by now yeah. right this is 10 days of dealing with this yeah um they're at the courthouse they go downstairs after court and i said you go and we're gonna file the form right now you don't need your attorney you know we're done because he's not doing what he needs to do this yeah. should be a this is a wham bam yeah you know, it's like so they go down, we find this clerk at the courthouse, and she has been working there for 30 years. So she knows what's going on. She knows what's up, right? Mm -hmm. Ends up digging around, and she goes into the adoption file, right? Which she's not supposed to know about. Right, right. Finds the form, unsigned, filed under this adoption case. Totally a separate. It should not, it should be filed under that. It should be its own. Yes, yeah. yeah. Right? And she realizes what's going on. And then they start, the mom and the sisters on the ground start demanding a court date because that's what's supposed to happen. So they filed the new revocation. She's supposed to have her court date in seven days. They're arguing now, by now, their initial court hearing was at uh, 10 a.m. that day in front of the judge. And it's now 5 p.m. And they're, they're standing in the courthouse fighting for this court date. They want to be on the docket. And, mm -hmm. uh, the judge comes out of his chair. He's still there. Comes out of his chambers, and he's like, "What?" He recognized the mom. He's like, "What are you still doing here?" Yeah, like, what's going on? Exactly. Yeah. What's all this commotion? Because yeah. it was getting heated. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. the clerk knew what was going on. She figured it out. There, there were some other um, courthouse attorneys that popped up that I think kind of knew what was going on. So they started to kind of try to intimidate mom. And also the dad was there at this time. Uh -huh. And um, the sister's on the ground as well. And the judge's clerk was giving them a hard time. So the judge said, the clerk, you know, so the, clerk the courthouse clerk, um, you and his clerk, who was, you know, supposed to be um, scheduling, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. Me and you go in here, right? So they all go into this room and they have about a 20-minute conversation the clerk who found out what was going on was in there. She was hysterical because she knew what was going on. They were taking her baby, uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. and he was just extremely upset about it. And basically they all walked out of the room and the judge said, see you next week, mom. And if you want to fire your attorney, you could do that first, but I'll see you next week. Wow. And then I had to start calling around to find her another attorney. I started like just cold calling people and everybody in that part of the state, I would say that adoption agency name, and they would say, we can't help you. Wow. They, work with them, they have that much right? pull. 
they're connected. They're all connected. So then I had to go to Detroit, right? And so I started going towards Detroit and getting into the city more, right? And sure enough, I woke this woman up and come find out after the fact, right? I explained to her this whole story, just like I did you, obviously a little more detail to get her to pay attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she starts telling me, well, how did you find me? She starts asking me this question. How did you find me? I said, I'm just cold calling. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, like, I'm cold calling anybody who on fine law who has like family, family, uh, <laughs> you know, a job, family court, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so... I'm going to tell you I'm an adoptive parent. I said, great. <laughs> I need you to take this case, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an unethical adoption, you know? Yeah. It's completely unethical. And so she couldn't believe it. And I said, I will send you all the paperwork. Yeah. I will send you everything. I said, we have it all documented. We figured it out. And, um, and she took the case. And she didn't charge us anything. And she, you know, because the family was from out of state. She actually put them up in a hotel room overnight and went to the hospital after that next court hearing with them and was there when they saw the baby for the first time. Wow. So she got it. I think she learned a lot. She's a really cool lady. Yeah. Um, And she, she learned a lot, you know, and I said, this is, this is happening. You know, the safe surrender thing, that was all new. Yeah. You know? We we had really uh, gone out and done um, some research online and found that that agency had done all the safe surrender training for all of the EMTs and the hospital and all of the the police staff and everything. So they're literally in it and they know that loophole. Mm -hmm. So So she has her baby and... He actually, so he, he was really micro creamy, you know, yeah. like I said, and he, he was not fully developed. His brain hadn't fully developed and stuff, but they did have him. They did get him transferred back home, you know, back to Illinois, and he passed away last year, um, right about this time. Oh, that's so sad. Last week, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's so sad. It is. He was with his mom and dad, and, you know, he had not gained a lot of weight in those extra they kept you know they kept him from his mom and dad for additional weeks you know this is a preemie yeah they their mothers yes. you know and when they were reunited like the first two days he had gained more weight than he had did the entire time since his birth i i i can actually speak to that because my sister her first daughter was preemie and there was nothing wrong with her. She was just, she just came early. She was seven weeks early and she was four pounds, two ounces. It's not micro preemie, but she was little. And my sister didn't even know she was in labor. It was just like that, just the same kind of thing. And, um, she delivered right in the emergency room and they, baby came out and they whisked her away. And I asked my sister, I'm like, what, what did you see? What do you remember? She goes, a little tiny purple face. <laughs> She's like, that's all, that's all she saw. And my sister, I think in a little bit of a way, she was kind of like afraid to go see Brianna in the NICU. She didn't, she waited till I got there and she and I went down together because they only allow two people one at a time. And, um, it was the very first time I witnessed that primal connection 
Because there's little Brianna laying in the little incubator with the Billy lights on her and her eyes are covered because of the bright light and all the little monitors. And um, my sister's just looking at her and I'm like, say something to her. And she's like, I don't know what to say. And a nurse was walking by and she goes, anything, it's good for them to hear your voice. And so my sister just leaned in and she said, hi, baby. And that heart rate just leapt up and she started squirming around and they, they, I mean, it was just like immediate reaction. And I was like, wow, I'm like, she knows who you are. And they put a little tiny t-shirt on her and my sister held her for the first time. And it was just amazing. And that's what they said. It's like they need, when they're that little and they're, they need to be with their mom they they need that so bad yep it's what they know yeah right right and it's that whole thing of you know just explaining it Mm -hmm. you know taste sound smell ever since those things are developed in utero 20 weeks all they know yeah you know my son knew me i have a video i was i had a c-section of course because of how big he was and i'm on the table and he's crying and they came and put him next to my head and i'm so glad jeff had the wherewithal to take video during this and he's crying and crying they put him right next to me and i said the mm-hmm. same thing as my son. i said hi baby and he was all and he stopped crying mm-hmm. and it was immediate yeah and even the nurse mm-hmm. in the background says i know my mommy you hear her ba- voice mm-hmm. in the background you know and i'm like yeah. everybody knows this but yet somehow it's okay to just exactly. give them to somebody else you know exactly that's exactly it like you said, they know it, and that's where we need them to get that thinking first and foremost. And, you know, there are even, you know, laws in the state of Florida that say that the hospital needs to stay neutral. Well, I don't know how you can claim to be neutral when you're giving the prospective adoptive parents a room in the hospital right next door to the mom. Like, yeah, that's, that's not neutral. That's not neutral. <laughs> That is invasion, you know, taking over. So, but it's done. And that's where we just have to shift that thinking. So um, Beth, who is a surgeon um, and is on the board of SOS, she's going to be coming and doing a presentation of that. So we're going to try to um, get some medical professionals there and try to, you know, um, get this out to, to that medical community in Orlando. And hopefully they'll come and listen and we don't get the the ceu credits that's a whole process i went and looked into that and it's a month-long deal to get through the nursing board and all that to to offer those continuing education credits which is kind of what the draw is right yeah um for some of those to come yeah um yeah social workers they're required that i've been learning about and you have to get you need to find social workers that already host these workshops that you can get to be sympathetic to your cause yeah. so social workers that don't work in adoption agencies you know and because like i found out just yesterday my professor in my human services class which is social work she hosts these workshops with other and they can get credits for them so there's 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 got to be a way you know yeah oh there's a way yeah you know, for us to be a nonprofit, we just have to have you know, the right people doing the presentation. So, and, and we do have some of those, yeah, you know, we good. actually have a therapist who's going to be coming and talking about that, talking, of course, a little bit about trauma. You know, everybody in our community is talking about trauma. And what we're trying to do is 
you know, educate people on how to talk about it, how to discuss it. And like I said, to have those conversations so that you're not dismissed and that you have the, you know, the right approach and, um, you know, it's important. So we're hoping to have that. So, yeah. And then we're going to have a session on how to be a sister on the ground, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? So I can talk about that a little bit, right? I know you talked about it. You said, oh, I'm worried about my resources. We don't want sisters on the ground spending any money. Mm-hmm. SOS takes care of anything mom needs. You just are literally like our eyes and ears, right? Because we're not there. Right. You know, we're we're all over the country. We're behind our keyboards and but we need people that are there with mom to really understand what she's going through and see what, you know, see what she what her situation is and sure. and listen to, you know, what her fears are and and that's all we need you to do. Okay. You know, so it's is it time? Yeah, it's time. Um you know, maybe a little bit of driving, depending, but you can, you know, designate how far you want to go mm-hmm. on your intake form. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you only want to go 10, 10 miles, 20 miles, that's fine. You know, we just, if, if a mom comes up, you know, you've seen some of the posts on like Instagram and Facebook, we need, you know, a sister on the ground in this area, please go sign up. So yeah, yeah. we're going to keep doing that. Yeah. You know? But that seems to be, and that's kind of been the most effective, but we are getting more people to sign up. Uh, in other areas too That's so good. yeah i just checked too while you went out and they uh we've got 254 wow. who have signed up that's great all over the country and we got people from canada <gasps> saying is that sos up there yeah <laughs> yeah know? and i i not yet not yet but you're there mm-hmm. right whoever's there who's ever asking me i said if you're there you're you know and you get and you understand what we're doing you're sos you know I yeah mean, literally yeah okay well it's been a long talk and i've enjoyed talking to you though it's been fascinating and and really interesting and um yeah sos needs as much support as it can get so that they can support moms that are unsure so exactly and keep keep those babies where they belong exactly make yep. sure that they're making informed decisions right Absolutely. that's what our only purpose is it's making sure that everybody has all the information so when you go you know when you go and have a surgery yeah you get the good the bad and the ugly right, right? but if you're dealing with an adoption agency you don't get that no yeah. nope they just show you oh no i've seen some of this stuff and it just makes me angry so i'm not going to mm-hmm. get into it <laughs> So, yep. all right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Lynn. I yeah. really, really appreciate it. Yes, no problem. Okay. So, you know, Lynn is a pseudonym, too. Did you no, know I did not know that. Yeah. So, if you pull up the website, yeah. um, uh, you can go check it out. So, I my, my real name <laughs> is Renee. Renee Gellin. Lynn is my middle name. Oh. And Johansson's like a completely made-up name that I started with the pseudonym because my son's adopted was open, right? Oh. And I didn't want to jeopardize him. Right? I understand. Remember, I was really angry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really angry. So, right. Um, and, you know, when I first got on here, the Facebook didn't even have, um, you didn't have, like, they didn't even have to have a name. Right. Right? Right. Your profile didn't. Have, now you have to have a name, you have to verify it and all that stuff. But, yeah. So it's on the website, on the board of directors and all that. The pictures there. And, you don't yeah. have to verify it, though, because, like, I have another profile for adoption stuff because I was 
I was feeling overwhelmed, so I was trying to separate it. And I have one of Jen Matthews adoptee, and they never questioned it. So yeah, they don't. I but I did have to like switch it over. So I had a bunch of people report the page too. I I could go on and on the stuff I've been through. I had a whole bunch of adoptive parents go after me. I'm sure because um, that's a failed adoption called, in their eyes. Well, they called they called the agency. And then they told the agency to tell my sons about the parents to stay away from me because I was dangerous. So yeah, they literally tracked. Oh yeah, it was. I I have great. Like I literally every time I talk adoption, I'm like I can't make this stuff up. You can write this a book one day. Crazy. Huh? You should write a book one day. One day. <laughs> That's me too. Down, Right. <laughs> I know. When I, I get, <laughs> when I get this off the ground and it's it's a well-oiled machine and you know, I think yeah. it's off the That's, ground. It may not be well-oiled, but it's definitely off the ground. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you've preserved well, eighty-five families, that's that's off the ground and running. You know, yep. you just gotta yeah, work out the kinks. And what we're doing too. The other thing is right is we're with all this organizing and stuff, we're starting to document. Yeah. So we're seeing patterns, right? We see kind of how things are working. We see, you know, that these agencies sometimes think that, well, they, they do, right? Mm -hmm. That moms take their babies or back out of an adoption plan and walk to another agency and do an adoption over there for money. Like that's how the system is set up and that happens. And so we've had more than more than one mom this year be accused of doing that when they were revo revoking. Yeah. They, they said, oh, you're just giving your baby back to go to another agency. And I was like, how would anybody even think to ask that if you haven't done it? Right. Right? How would you know? I would never think that. No. Like, I don't know. It's just, but it's the, it's this whole process. They've got this whole method and it's we don't know everything yet no. you know they have a lot of the, the stuff to, to keep themselves well oiled and, and keep the revenue coming in because that's what it's all about otherwise they're not going to exist so you're up against a giant truly you're, truly. you're david so. versus goliath and it's you know i'm not a religious person but that's kind of what you are and yeah but you know yeah, every we, time you save a family though you're pelting them with another pebble and you know exactly but we have to make sure that we're doing that in the right way sure. you know you don't hear of our moms you know we we basically make sure that we are not just putting a band-aid on a gaping wound sure right we have to make sure that they have the tools and the resources that they need to not only just alleviate their fears but remove all of their obstacles yeah. so you know we need to make sure that they're going to be good long term that the base is going to be good long term. Yeah. We, we want to build that support network. And that's part of the reason with, you know, the sisters on the ground is we want them to connect with the mom. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. what we want to do. We have these online relationships with them, right? Mm -hmm. We can text and make phone calls and things like that. But, you know, really being somebody being in person sitting next to you and, and being that friend is is super important. And mm -hmm. you know, just it just, you know, we're teaching them to fish and we want to make sure that that we're doing that. Sure. So, that's you can't ask for more than that. So I, I commend you and your okay. efforts. I really do. So, Thank you. all right, well, I'm going to let you go. Okay. And, um,
I'm gonna I'll get to work on this and hopefully have it up on YouTube at some point. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm excited. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a good night. Thank you. Thanks right. so much. Okay. Bye. Take care. You Bye. too.